0: It's not rocket science, what we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. It's like, it's so, it's so clear, but between the saying and the doing is like this massive gap and that's actually an integrity gap. And the longer that goes on, the worse we can feel about ourselves. And so recognizing that like, yeah, self-care, nobody's going to give you credit for it. People, it's going to probably mean drawing some boundaries, which is going to affect your relationships either at work or at home. And it's because it's about claiming back that time that you need in order to take care of yourself.
1: Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivy and Karen Sochi. And now here's the show. Once you've tidied your home, you have the space both physically and emotionally, to explore other areas of your life, especially ones that spark joy. One of those areas is health and wellness. Beyond the home, there is health. So today we're going to turn our focus toward another Eastern philosophy that we find intriguing. Brody Welch is a licensed acupuncturist, board-certified herbalist, Chinese medicine expert, holistic health coach, and self-care strategist. She's the founder of Life & Balance Acupuncture in Covales, Oregon, where she has been treating patients since 2003. Brody's helped thousands of clients with a regular body-mind practice and leads self-care boot camp programs, helping women actually do what they know they should do in order to take care of themselves. She's also the creator and host of A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world. Welcome to Spark Joy, Brody. Welcome, Brody.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
2: You've been treating patients for over 14 years now, and you use a variety of modalities found in Chinese medicine tradition. How did you find yourself headed down that path? Well it was not
0: a linear path at all. I was I went to college thinking that I wanted to be an activist and change the world all at once and so Uh, a few years into that direction, realizing that that was going to set me up for a life of conflict that I wasn't going to enjoy, I found myself kind of desperate. Like, what am I going to do now? And But I'd always been told that I had a healing touch. And so I went to massage therapy school at night while just working a day job and trying to figure things out. And in massage therapy school, I took a Shiatsu class, and that's based in the philosophy of Chinese medicine, this idea that the body is made of energy and that energy moves around the body on these channels that we call meridians, and that everything in nature is mirrored in our bodies as well, that there's the body, mind, spirit... all connected and that there's this sophisticated framework of understanding how all those pieces fit together. And so that was from Chinese medicine. And I realized that I was in love and I needed to learn more. So I went directly on to get my master's in oriental medicine, which is the, the degree program, I'm very unpolitically correct, but that's the name of it. And uh, basically learned everything that I could about this complete system of healthcare that's been on the planet for thousands of years.
1: It seems very interesting to me uh, this uh, what you just said about this idea that you wanted to be an activist, but then you decided that that was going to set you up for a life of conflict. I also have been really interested in activism since I was a relatively young junior high kid and got interested in politics, but I also found that I – I feel that I've made a bigger difference doing what I'm doing one person at a time, as opposed to, you know, all of the angst that's involved in trying to change the world. So I think I can totally identify with that. And I think that that's really um, a very neat way of, of, of stating kind of how you came about this how you, how you started down this path.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting synergy and I still want to change the world. (laughs) And I still think that working with people one-on-one in clinic is, it's too slow, frankly. I mean, that, and especially when health problems that individuals are having are connected with these broader social issues and cultural issues and values. So if we as a culture reduce human dignity to basically like if we if we feel like humans should basically be machines overriding what their bodies and souls want all day long, that that's not good for people's health. And if that's the pervading cultural mindset and that's what gets people promotions and social accolades and like, oh, you're so busy. You must be amazing, you know, that, that there's no incentive for people to stop running themselves into the ground in an attempt to kind of be quote unquote successful. Right. And so like, just, that's what I was seeing with women, especially for whom there is this disproportionate amount of a second shift work that people are having to do if they're for socialized to be caregivers. And we're also working at that. There is a so many women were coming in with these complaints like hormone imbalances and um, PMS and menopausal symptoms and digestive issues and anxiety and depression and sleep stuff. And and really, you name it, it it, it can all come back to trying to do too much right. and really feeling like, okay, this is not just an, that you're not alone here in your struggle. And I just wanted to, to for everyone to know, First of all, we can opt out of this mindset culturally. We can do it differently, but a lot of times that it, that makes you kind of a radical. And if you are and really, since we get our beliefs and our habits from the people around us, from our environment, it's very much that it's not the kind of thing where you can just decide, oh, I'm going to just believe this and live differently. If your whole environment isn't conducive to that, it's really, really hard to stay in that new mindset.
1: For me, I feel as though a lot of times we compare our insides to everyone else's outsides and if we see people around us hurrying around and being busy and we perceive that to be successful, then there's this whole thing of what what's wrong with me that this does not feel good or healthy or that I'm experiencing all of these secondary symptoms because um everyone else seems to be doing this just fine. Yeah. You know? Right.
0: Or my favorite is everybody else can eat everything they want <laughs> and they don't feel like the joint pain after eating sugar. And I'm like, yeah, they do. Right. <laughs> they're just not talking <laughs> about it. Or they're you. so totally checked out of their relationship with themselves that they're not even registering it. But no, like there is we all are dealing with the same stuff. Right. And it's just, it's just not necessarily part of mainstream diet. Right.
1: And self-care is a major theme in your work. It seems like we talk a lot about self-care, but I'm not sure that we really understand what exactly that means. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. I'll start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean numbing out after a long day binge watching netflix or having that third glass of wine or you know the the entire bag of cookies like that isn't really truly self care it might feel good in the moment it might feel like an indulgence or a treat but really it's if it's not connecting us to our own vitality it's not self care it's certainly not a freaking pedicure okay i love i love going and having a spa day i love taking care of my toes but to, it's it's the empty calories of self care and the idea that like all women need to have a different relationship with stress and to feel like we're finally at the center of our own lives is, uh, you know, is to get our toes painted is fundamentally flawed and problematic. So I would say that self-care really is about it's the yin to the yang of life. So if the if the yang of our lives is is what we're putting energy into, so something that has to do with our purpose or our dharma or our values or our self actualization. Uh, uh, the 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 things that we do, self care ultimately is what's going to put back and enable all that doing to happen, and it's what all of the major experts agree are it, we need to be doing for our health, and what the sages and yogis have known for millennia are essential for things like insight and clarity and and deeper purpose. So it, I'm going to include the, the basic habits of self care are going to include getting enough sleep eating a whole foods diet that you can digest that's right for your constitution and your body and your lifestyle. It's going to include some mind-body practice or mindfulness practice, meditation, whether that's seated or in motion. It's going to include self-massage to move your energy. And it's going to include having a relationship with your emotions and with your mind that allows the, the those energies to move through us freely without perceiving everything as stressful or an emergency which causes energy to stagnate and i'm going to even include self-compassion in that like how we talk to ourselves can be a form of self-care and so yeah and and there's definitely more but the, those are those are typically what I consider the the core competencies of self-care that if you don't if you're not doing these things you've got a piece missing.
2: I love how you summarize that and you're echoing what I'm hearing lately which is how uh, some folks out there at least are veering away from the trendy term of self-care um, to really focusing on what it really means. I saw an article recently and we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, I think the title was something like self-care is not all like chocolates and uh, bath bubbles. You know, It's beyond that. Yeah. Sometimes it's yeah. uncomfortable. Sometimes it's coming home and looking at a spreadsheet with your budget on it and trying to figure out your finances or sometimes it's tidy which can also be a little bit uncomfortable or trying and working through a new diet or a nutrition program. And sometimes those things aren't really relaxing necessarily, but they're helping you grow and develop. Yeah, definitely.
0: And I would say exercise is also a part Mm -hmm. of self-care, not necessarily relaxing, but it's something that if you do that, it enables everything else to go better. It enables everything, like it, it fills up the well. And so, yeah, it's taking care of your finances while Uncomfortable. You you need to do it if you want to be in good shape. Ultimately, <laughs> exactly. and so it's it's really it's tending to those things that are that nobody's gonna uh, praise. When you vacuum under the bed, it's like, it's, you know, it's Mm. the kind of thing that like, it matters for your environment, but it's not sexy. It doesn't show up as, as productive when you get eight hours of sleep and you feel great on the inside. Nobody's going to be like, nice job. Way to go. (laughs) I bet it was really hard to like, actually put yourself to bed on time, considering your to-do list. Like that was massive,
2: but it, it is. Well, I'm very interested in the idea of curing something by using self-care techniques. Have you experienced that with your patients where you prescribe self-care to cure whatever is ailing them? Yeah, like all the time, every day. I want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> what can't it do, right? I
0: mean, basically, if you need an ER, self-care is not going to cut it. But for pretty much everything else, it, it, I think it's helpful to step up for a moment into the the Chinese medicine view of health as not this, di- this binary of you're either healthy or you're not. But instead, thinking about it as a spectrum where health is on one end and there's this zone of imbalance in the middle. And then there's a symptom or a disease on the other end. And so let's say, for example, that you you are experiencing back pain. It probably didn't start with back pain. It probably, especially if it's, you know, I mean, yeah, you could have gotten in a car accident or something like that. But, but if it's the kind of neck and shoulder pain, low back pain that comes from our daily lives our bodies are sending us messages all the time, like get up and move, Mm -hmm. stretch. And if you heed the warning of this feels a little tight, I'm gonna move and breathe and see if I can get it to loosen up. That's that, stitch in time that's going to save nine right that mm-hmm. that's being that's treating preventatively because you're treating at the level of an imbalance instead of letting it get to an actual problem like pain or not being able to move your head or you know like having your back get tighter and tighter the energy stagnates in that area suddenly you know you slip a disc or, or some, something catastrophic happens so usually if we're tuned into our bodies they're giving us signals that we are entering that imbalance zone and before something that we would Consider a disease manifest. So a lot of us experience, when you go to an acupuncturist, for example, that we ask you the 10,000 questions. And so really we want to know about not only why you're there, but all the other things going on in the ecosystem that is you so that we can put those pieces together in a, in, from our framework in a way that makes sense and can, that gives us a clue as to what that underlying imbalance is that's giving rise to all the different symptoms. So t- typically like, you could have symptoms showing up that don't seem to connect at all to you. Like what is, what does my digestive system have to do with my focus and memory? Like Mm. that might not make sense to you, but to a Chinese medicine person, it's the same system. Mm. It's the spleen stomach that we need to be dealing with for both of those things. And so it's a way that we can, that because we have, this different way of looking at the body and the mind and, and its unity and looking at every, everything that's going on in the person's life, we're able to make smart self-care recommendations about what they could be doing differently. And that's really where for me, the work, my, the focus of my work has been realizing that like, yeah, people don't need a differential diagnosis. Most of the time, they just need tools to take care of themselves and first and foremost, that feeling like they have the right to use them. And so that's kind of where I got away from Or I've been moving away from treating people one on one to bringing people, women especially, together in these evolutionary groups where we can really evolve our habits and actually, like most of us, it's not rocket science what we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. It's like it's so it's so clear, but between the saying and the doing is like this massive gap, and that's actually an integrity gap. And the longer that goes on, the worse we can feel about ourselves. And so recognizing that, like, yeah, self care, nobody's going to give you credit for it. People, it's going to probably mean drawing some boundaries, which is going to affect your relationships either at work or at home. And it's because it's about claiming back that time that you need in order to take care of yourself. And yet the things that you do every day from the foods that you eat to how you move your body to your relationship with stress and your belief system to your how supportive your, the people in your environment are or whether or not your job gives back to you, how much sleep you get. All these things have such a profound effect on how you end up feeling, like more so than any practitioner can do for you in any office visit.
1: This idea of integrity being really at the base of some of these issues really resonates with me. I think that that's really a great way of, uh, of looking at it. In our work, we are very home focused. We think a lot about the home environments of our clients. And for our clients, a lot of times, um, that is really the, the center of where their stress and anxiety and unrest comes from. Do you, do your clients, um, see this also? Do you feel that the, that home environments are a big contributing factor to a person's sense of, of dis-ease?
0: Well, absolutely. If you don't feel like your home is a place where you can relax, then you're you're basically constantly in a state of stress and stress is at the root of upwards of 80 to 90%, depending on whose numbers you're looking at of everything that people will seek medical attention for. So the ability to un- unwind and relax is absolutely critical and having an environment that's conducive to that, it just makes sense, right? And, th- and there's that feng shui idea too, that our, mm-hmm. our, the energy of our environment affects how we feel. And so paying attention to uh how we feel in different spaces in our homes is key and that kind of that that gets to the unspoken agreements that we have with the people in our lives about whose job it is to do what and that making sure that those are are clear and transparent but also that we can use our environments to Enable our habits to be the healthy ones that we choose or the ones that choose us because we're not creatures of willpower, right? And at the end of a long day, despite your good intentions to do some yoga or take a bath or that kind of thing after dinner if if you have to move three boxes to get out your yoga mat you're probably going to be less likely to do that and if you don't have the space to do yoga in the first place because you know there's stuff all over your floor it, again you're you're at, you're not going to have the willpower to follow through on that good intention and that's a way that our environment can actually undermine us or support us depending on how consciously or unconsciously it's designed
2: well, I will say, Brody, I have cleared my space pretty well, uh, post tidying post KonMari. And I've started to focus a lot more on health. Like you were saying, there's literally nothing in my way, right? There's no more worries my, with my home environment. And now I can turn the attention back on myself. And uh, so what I've been doing is exploring different methods of just managing some chronic health issues that I have and so I've looked into acupuncture but I really don't know where to start in terms of really jumping into it. I'd love to talk more about your virtual programs but for those who need you know someone to actually poke them in person and start the process locally. um, I imagine they uh, would be stuck like I am and trying to figure out like, what's a good practitioner? How do I find the right one? Or is it painful? All those questions uh, that I have. Um, So if you could help me kind of figure this out. Sure. Absolutely. So the first step in picking a a qualified
0: Chinese medicine practitioner is to recognize that acupuncture is a tool. It's not a system. Mm. Chinese medicine is the system. So I actually used to teach acupuncture as a technique to doctors and chiropractors in weekend workshops all around the country. And what? And because in some states you don't have to be an acupuncturist to sling needles. You can be an MD with 100 hours of training, or zero training, or a chiropractor, wow. with, you know, or a PT, or somebody like that who's had one tiny fraction of the education that an acupuncturist has. Right. So would you want to see the person who's had a thousand? hours of clinical training and a 3000 hour program or would you want to see the person who's taken a few weekend workshops? You know, like, and is basically like, mm. yeah, 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 whatever about the theory. Just give me the points, <laughs> and that was sort of the attitude that I, I felt like there was this. I, you know, I had this reverence for Chinese medicine and all of its depth and philosophy and how much it can do, and to see it reduced to this punchline of like, you know, and I really I was idealistic. I was feeling like, well, if somebody's going to get their neck adjusted, wouldn't it be great for that chiropractor to also like they already know anatomy? How hard would it be to know where to put a needle that would also help that? person person's neck. They you know they got so much more mileage out of the treatment. But the what a lot of times ended up happening was sort of this disrespect for for the depth and like just kind of that almost an ego thing of like well, I should be able to to do everything, you know. And and I recognize like we're actually patients are better served when we stick to what we're best at and we refer out to the other experts. Yes. So I'm not going to try to adjust somebody's neck if they need a chiropractor. I'm going to refer to a chiropractor. <laughs> if they need lab tests, I'm going to send them to a naturopath. Yeah. But if they need to understand themselves as an energy being, if they need like the ac- the effects of acupuncture, powerful anti-inflammatory, um, so really great for any kind of pain, both emotional pain and physical pain. Uh, in fact, in Canada their equivalent of the AMA, their like physicians association or whatever recommends acupuncture as a first line treatment for depression. Wow. Like bar- that's barely news here. Like we don't think we were taught to think in a pharmaceuticals are the only answer sort of way in this country. I, if you've got symptoms that you suspect tie together, like if you're dealing with menstrual stuff and digestive stuff and sleep stuff, and it all sort of is stress related or it's all sort, you know, like that are things that tend to come together in, in a whole suite of, of symptoms that may not seem related to you, but you suspect they might be connected. The, an acupuncturist is absolutely the person you should be talking to. So just know that there are these different levels of training and you can find somebody who's nationally certified in oriental medicine. So that's the org is the website where you can look up by zip code, find a practitioner who's either been trained in acupuncture or Chinese herbs, or the title oriental medicine encompasses both acupuncture, Chinese herbs, and biomedicine or kind of that Western medicine. And so that's sort of the um, the, the highest level of certification that you can find kind of nationwide. And then, of course, states vary. For example, if I were licensed in uh, New Mexico, I would be a doctor of oriental medicine. But because I practice in Oregon, the state's title is licensed acupuncturist. I have the exact same training as those people in New Mexico. You know, so things like that that are just to be aware of that there's the titles can vary state by state. But like anything, there's going to be people who are amazing at what they do. And there's going to be people who just barely graduated from school and are phoning it in. Sure. And so the, the best way to find a good practitioner of any sort is going to be word of mouth and or um, calling up the person and asking if they... Um, it just if, if you can speak to the practitioner because there's going to be part of it is what they bring to the table. Part of it is going to be like their depth of knowledge in in because it's really it's a three thousand year old plus system of medicine. And so if you stop training in school, uh, yeah, <laughs> like there's a lot you can spend a lifetime in just like any specialty within Chinese medicine and not know it all. So it just. So does the person know their stuff? Do you feel comfortable with this person because the relationship you have with him or her is going to be a huge factor in whether or not you get better? Because if you're not comfortable talking about all these dimensions of life, there's the person doesn't have all the information and so really like just
2: somebody you trust. That's a great tip there. Yeah. I'm very big on bedside manner when it comes to doctors. I have released some very quickly if I don't get a good feeling.
0: Yeah. Good job. (laughs) You are the consumer. So that is within your right. And you asked earlier, like, does it hurt? And I want to clarify that because people Oh, I can't even tell you how many times people would say, oh, well, I'd be open to acupuncture, but I'm afraid of needles (laughs) or I don't like needles. Like, can you name one person who does like needles? (laughs) It's like, maybe we've got that friend with lots of tattoos. Okay. Maybe, maybe her, but you know, like aside from her, no, like none of us are think uh, that that sounds like a great idea. So let me just demystify that a little bit. If you can imagine, like, When you say the word needle, probably what comes to mind is a hypodermic because those are what we all have experience with, like giving blood or getting shots. And those are hollow. An acupuncture needle is solid because it doesn't need to put anything into your body or take anything out of your body. And about 40 of them can fit inside of one hypodermic needle. So really what we're talking about is this tiny little hair-like flexible filament that just gets tapped in and you may or may not even feel the initial insertion. But you do want to feel something. You do want to feel a little bit of electricity, kind of like a light Hmm. switch going on, or a little zing is how I describe it to my patients, which is, and when you feel that zing, you know that the needle is not just hanging out inertly in your system, but it's actually making contact with your bioelectricity or your body's intelligence, which is- quite electrical and so it will feel like whoa mm-hmm. yeah there's something there and some points speak very loudly and other points are very subtle and obviously like if you needle into a very tight muscle it might be more sensitive than into a place that's totally open and supple and relaxed but typically even if there is a moment of whoa what's going on there that it's that sensation mellows out and you're most people are so relaxed that they're able to go to sleep on the table it's a uh, profoundly relaxing and it works on our endocannabinoid system so uh, like our endogenous feel good chemicals that are similar to morphine and to si- similar to marijuana so like this idea that you're like pe- actually people come out of treatments and they're a little spacey
1: I can definitely attest to this because I've had acupuncture treatments for years and years and I've probably had I don't know a couple thousand needles wow. in me at any at some point. and I have to tell you that I don't think I can It just doesn't hurt. It just does not hurt. So that's just like, it does sound really scary when you think about it, but it's, Birdie's correct. The needle is so different than anything you would think of as a needle. It's just not even an issue.
0: And it's really just a cultural bias. What we think of as weird or acceptable that like, how weird is it to be basically put into a near death sort of a state, (laughs) cut open, have parts of us removed, new things put in, sewn back up and brought back to life? Like, that's weird. So yeah, yeah getting, getting a getting a few little energy points, kind of like keys on a keyboard, or if you were a musical instrument, somebody's playing a chord on your body. It's that it's it's just resonance, it's vibration. Hmm.
2: Well, you definitely not scared me away. So <laughs> I will still investigate it. It's interesting when you have chronic pain, you actually have a high threshold for pain that you've built up. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good for chronic pain. Like, do not wait. They're, they're, you know, get me to an acupuncturist. (laughs) Yeah, I think that might be the next step. I've tried um, chiropractor care in the past, but I don't know. I didn't feel like it was totally for me or if I felt. Like, um, sometimes it's, it's almost never ending. Um, probably yes. how some people mm-hmm. feel about tidying, actually. I used to sure. feel that about chiropractor services. So is that kind of how I, acupuncture is, where it's like there's a short term and then a long term strategy? Or is, is there, I mean, I guess it would vary per patient, but is there kind of an end to the treatment? Yeah. Yeah. There absolutely okay. is. Um,
0: so but there is, Typically, I liken it to learning how to speak a language or similar to chiropractic, it's like you might feel better or after a massage, you might feel better after one session, but likely that problem is going to keep coming back Mm -hmm. unless you really teach the body to do something differently. And really, it's a process of re-educating and repatterning. And so, like speaking a language, you'll usually pick up a few words the first time you hear it and then the next time you hear it, you'll pick up a little bit more and pretty soon you're fluent and you really get what's going on. And so, usually in my practice... I find that usually around visit number four or so is where that fluency kicks in, where it get, where maybe the person isn't necessarily noticing a ton of change, or they're like they're feeling good for a couple days, but then their pain is back. And usually, at about treatment number four is where, um, or or five, or you know, depending on how long it's been going on and and what you're doing to exacerbate it in your daily life or whatever else, or uh, and that that there is a point where it really starts to melt and where where really progress starts to be made and for most people um you know any time acupuncture is studied usually it's like 10 or 12 treatments is considered a course of treatment and really it's just about like maximum benefit is where we where we stop seeing improvement from uh, from the treatments and at that point it's usually I mean, a lot of times the, the condition could fully resolve or it could just be, it could enable a much higher quality of life than the person would be experiencing otherwise. a Reduction in pain, a greater range of motion, however you're measuring that. And at that point, You get to, well, in my practice, I like to make people as independent from me as possible. So teaching them as much that they can be doing on their own to keep their progress while they lengthen their orbit around their acupuncture treatments. And I usually recommend that, you know, because you use your body, it's a good idea to take care of it. And because acupuncture is so good at treating preventatively, I usually do encourage people to find an orbit that works for them, whether that's quarterly or once a month, or if you have a chronic condition, um, then every couple of weeks. But that that definitely varies person to person. And there is definitely such a thing as full resolution where it never needs any reminding, especially if that was like from an accident or an injury, mm-hmm. where yeah, once the body gets how to heal itself, it's reminded. That it's not quite done healing this injury. And then it, there's no real need to keep doing it. Yeah, I like that full
2: resolution. I like that. I'm wishing mm-hmm. for that <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, until proven otherwise, why right. not? Mm-hmm. Well, Brody, I know you have uh, a lot of virtual communities going on and additional community support. Uh, that will only enhance any practice that's happening locally. So could you tell us a little bit more about your boot camp programs and other good stuff you've got yeah. going on? <laughs> Absolutely. So so it's just for that that same reason
0: that I was mentioning earlier that it's really hard to stick to your good self-care intentions. I work with a lot of women who are super smart and high achievers and they would leave my office all fired up to really start meditating this time or really start this their new exercise routine or their new diet plan or their new whatever it is and they'd be great for a little while and then life would happen and they would find themselves bumped down off the top of their to-do list and it just wouldn't be happening. And so I realized I needed a different container. And so I started creating this, basically groups of people, women, mainly women, all women at the moment, to, to really support people for long enough for a new habit to stick. So I'm actually taking people on journeys that last an entire year or, or, or 11 weeks. So 11 weeks is like long enough to change if you're heading due north out at sea and you decide to like change the direction that your boat is heading by just a few degrees, then you keep going in that same direction you end up in a very different place than you were aiming at originally and 11 weeks or 12 weeks is just long enough to shift that that compass direction so people get massive results in in whatever it is that they're aiming at in terms of that bridging that gap between knowing what they should be doing and actually doing it. But a lot of times there's backsliding. And so that's why I let people basically do the program. Who, people who sign up with me for an entire year get to do the program uh, three times throughout the course of the year uh, for less than the investment of of just one and a half of the course or so thereabouts. And so it's called Level Up Your Life. And it's really... it's it, The kind of results that I get is... everything from people feeling calm and confident to their better self-expression. Decluttering usually happens automatically. People drop weight, people sleep better, pain levels go down, people have more energy. It's, it's really, it's incredible what happens when we start taking care of ourselves and doing all the things that we know we should be. Um, it just, it feels amazing. And so creating that space for dynamic, um, active transformation into the person that we're becoming next, it's what I get super excited about. So if, if you're ready for a major shift, um, I'd love to to hop on the phone with you. Um, so if you go to BrodyWelch.com, you can apply for um, you can a time on my calendar where we can see if you're a good fit.
1: I like what you just said about the the person that, that you're becoming because that's really kind of a very key principle in, in KonMari. In our work, we see not only our clients begin to embrace um, better standards of health for themselves, but they also often seek to create a healthier home environment and bring more peace and contentment into their homes What tips do you have, Brody, on how people can do that? How can people bring more relaxation and peace and just general well-being and health into their home environments?
0: Well, I would encourage people to have their environment reflect their highest values. And to give themselves permission to be in all the rooms of their environment, not just their—well, if you're me, their home office, for example—to <laughs> to be able to use their space and to be able to recognize that just like the different dimensions of our lives, the different spaces uh, in our environment can bring out different pieces of us. And if we're only in the same rooms over and over again, that there might be a neglected part of ourselves. And so, just giving yourself permission to to, to to have a present day inner dialogue with with your not only your body but also with your heart and just being in tune with what's what brings you joy and what brings you relaxation and what does your body need in any given moment and having your environment be conducive as much as possible to the things that are most important to you and to make sure that the people around you are people that you care about and that, that those relationships uh, have free-flowing energy between them because it, that's that's also super important.
2: I think there's definitely a thread between Kunmari and the traditional Chinese practices that you talked about today, Brody, and I realized what the connection was. It's all about not just treating the symptoms, but digging a little bit deeper and connecting to what really is causing the problems. Uh, I think that's... Uh, something that we both kind of have in common with our practices. (laughs) So that's really cool. So one last question for you. We ask all of our guests this question. What sparks joy for you today?
0: Watching people transform. Hands down. (laughs) I am so inspired by people doing things differently because... And that's really how we do fulfill our potential and become the people that we were born to be. And it starts with really small shifts, right? It starts with going to bed early. It starts with eating food that we can digest. It starts with, with taking a risk, you know, just these little things. And I'm, I'm just, I'm inspired every time one of my group members has a a tiny little shift because I know it's going to take her in a massively new direction. The more that that becomes the new normal.
2: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on Spark Joy today, Brody. We loved having you, and thanks for all the great advice. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Brody. You can find more information about Brody and her practice at BrodyWelch.com, and that's dot H.com, and follow her on Facebook at Brody Welch L A C.
2: Brody has provided Spark Joy listeners with resources that will help you embrace a healthier way of living that sparks joy. You can find a right to take care of yourself manifesto, a calm and centered bundle, and a free five minute breathing meditation, all linked in our show notes for this episode. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life.
1: You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask SparkJoy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show.
2: While you're there, sign up to join our SparkJoy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs.
1: You can also join the SparkJoy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast.
2: Thanks for tuning in. And we hope your day sparks joy.
1: Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with ComMarry Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of ComMarry Media Incorporated or the Conmary Consultant Community.